Well, this morning we'll take a look at Genesis 23. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles up there. It's kind of a short chapter. It's 20 verses. Uh, I guess that's not all that short, but there's just not a whole lot talked about in there. So my teaching is a little short today, but there is a, a great deal that we can learn from these 20 verses here in Genesis 23. So let's just go ahead and start reading. Verse 1 says, Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. So now I'll pause right there because for me personally, the life of Sarah was one to be admired. Um, you've heard me mention it a couple of times before that I, I think that Sarah is an excellent example of a woman of faith, a great woman and a great example of a wonderful wife as well. We know that Sarah is mentioned in the New Testament book of Hebrews chapter 11, which many people refer to Hebrews chapter 11 as the hall of faith. Um, but in Hebrews chapter 11, it speaks of Sarah and says that by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So she goes down in history as a woman of faith in the Lord God Almighty. And throughout the entire Bible, Sarah is spoken of 49 times. I mean, in the Bible as a whole, I should say. It's not throughout the whole Bible, but she, her name is mentioned 49 times. And she is the only woman that her age at death is recorded in the pages of Scripture. So as much as Abraham was a chosen man of God, Sarah was a chosen woman of God. And another very interesting fact is that nowhere in the Bible are we told to look to anybody like Mary, for example, as a prominent religion does. But two times in Scripture, we are told to look at the life of Sarah and to consider the life of Sarah. And if you want to take note of that for later, that's in Isaiah 51 and in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're told to look at the life of Sarah. So a great woman. Now, of course, one, um, Eve was the, the first woman, and she was called the mother of all living. So in a fleshly sense, Eve would be our greatest grandmother. Okay, But when it comes to faith, Sarah is our greatest grandmother. Okay, But now we come to the place in Scripture where we read that her life had come to an end. Okay, and, and verse 2 continues and says, So Sarah died in Kirjath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan, and Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. So to be a great man of faith as Abraham was does not mean that one does not mourn the loss of someone close to them. Super faith does not equal superhuman. Mourning is a very natural process, as is weeping. We, of course, know that the shortest verse in the New Testament is John eleven thirty five, 35, where it simply says that Jesus wept. So God in the flesh cried at the death of someone he loved. And this, of course, was upon receiving the news that his close friend Lazarus had died. 
And we also know from Scripture that you and I, as disciples of Christ, we're told to weep with those who weep. Okay? Because that's the kind of soft heart that God desires for us to have. And we see that in our Lord Jesus Christ, that soft heart. And we also see that in the life of Abraham as well. Even though he was this great man of faith, he's come to a time of great mourning and weeping here as he's lost the woman that he loves. And of course, with this death comes, the, with death in, in general, comes the practical matters that have to be taken care of when someone dies. And we'll read that about Abraham here as well in verse 3. Then Abraham stood up from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a foreigner and a visitor, visitor among you. Give me property for a burial place among you, that I may bury my dead out of my sight. So we learn here that Sarah died in a land foreign to her and foreign to her husband. We are not really told in Scripture how Sarah ended up in this foreign land and if Abraham was even with her when she died. And if you want to speculate, you could probably come up with several scenarios here as to how they ended up there, why they were there, and all that kind of stuff. But I like to leave Scripture as it is, so we really don't know any of the details surrounding the death of Sarah here. But we simply see Abraham here taking care of the things that needed to be taken care of. And he decides, rather than to transport Sarah's body elsewhere, he's going to just go ahead and bury her in the land where she died here. So there, in verse 4, he asked the people of that land for a burial plot. And then in verse 5, he says, And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. So we find out here that Abraham is revered far and wide, right? They call him a prince here. And they tell him that any one of them will gladly give up their own burial plot for him to bury his dead. And in verse 7 here, Abraham, being the humble man that he was, it says, then stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. So we get a picture here of Abraham being very appreciative of what these folks are offering him at this very difficult time in his life, right? And verse 8 says, And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish that I may bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and meet with Ephron, the son of Zohar, for me. Now, that's the second time that we see Abraham use those words, out of my sight, in this chapter. And in the Hebrew, this simply meant from before my face, from before my face. That's what those words out of my sight means, right? So Abraham is simply saying, this isn't my homeland and I want to bury my wife here, uh, even though her body's not going to be in my presence where I'm going to be living. And there is a particular place that came to mind for Abraham here. Uh, He must have... uh, you know, seen this place already that was pleasing to him. And he asked these men to help him secure a burial plot from this man named Ephron. So Abraham continues speaking with these men about this man Ephron. And he says in verse 9, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, 
which he has, which is at the end of his field. Let him give it to me at the full price as property for a burial place among you. Now Ephron dwelt among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the presence of the son of Heth, all who entered of, at the gate of his city, saying, No, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field, the cave, and the cave that is in it. I give it to you. In the presence of the son of, sons of my people, I give it to you. Bury your dead. Then Abraham bowed himself down before the people of the land. So again, Abraham is being honored here in the presence of all these people. But Abraham, again, simply bows down before them. Okay? He doesn't become, he's not an arrogant man in any way, shape, or form as we've seen. He's a humble man. Ephron here considers it an honor to help Abraham. And Abraham considers it an honor to purchase the land for the body of his wonderful wife, Sarah. So we'll see, excuse me, that they go back and forth here with each one, each other. They'll go back and forth on this matter. Verse 13. And he spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, if you will give it, Please hear me. I will give you money for the field. Take it from me and I will bury my dead there. And Ephron answered Abraham saying to him, My Lord, listen to me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? So bury your dead. Now, look, I'm going to expound on this with you here for a few moments because like I said, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot in this, in this chapter from a word standpoint. Point, you know, like number of verses, I should say, but, but there's a lot we can learn from this situation that we're seeing taking place here. Abraham is a man of God. He's a man of faith, right? He's an, he's an example to you and me here this morning, as was his wife, Sarah. But when I look at all of the honor that Abraham receives here, it makes me question myself as to how the world around me views me, right? And how does the world around you view you as a person? Do they first of all see that we are people of God? Do they see that about us? Do they know that we are obedient followers to the word of God, right? Can they see that in our lives? Would they treat us in such a way that shows that they really like us a whole lot, like we see these people doing to Abraham here in the calling him a prince and all of this stuff, right? Again, Abraham made the statement earlier that he was a foreigner in this land. He wasn't even a resident there. This land was not his home. His wife would be buried there, and later we'll see in Genesis, we'll read that Abraham, when Abraham dies, he's going to be buried in the same place, in the same plot where Sarah is, right? But they were just people that were just passing through. As we've seen, they lived their whole life in obedience to God, just passing through. But they're just passing through this area, but yet they receive all this honor. And you and I, as born-again children of God, live in a world where we're just passing through, right? We are to be foreigners here, right? Sure, our bodies will be buried here, like we see with Sarah at this point in time, and our bodies will be buried here as well, but this is not our homeland, okay? But do people of this world look upon us and honor us? Do they respect us for who we are? 
and for how we live our lives. If not, right, then we ask the question, why not? And I know that, of course, we know that Jesus said they hated him and they'd hate us also as his followers, but the influence that Jesus had on the world around him had, a, had just a great impact on the world, to say the least. And didn't he treat people well? Didn't he love people all the way till the end? And don't we see in Abraham here a man that was loved and respected for the way that he lived his life? You know, this pops into my mind when I was studying this, but there's a, there's a, a group of people that live in a few different parts of this country here in the United States of, of America. And there's about 70,000 of them that live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. They're the Amish people, right? Now, I'm not condoning anything about them, nor will I condemn anything about them, but I simply want to point out to you that there are approximately 8 million people every year that go to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, just to look at the Amish. 8 million people every year go there just to see them. What are they looking for? What are they looking for? Well, when they ask the people, when they've taken surveys of the people, people say they're looking for the simplicity, the peace, the contentment that they see in those people, right? Because people, everybody has an internal yearning for these kinds of things, simplicity, peace, and contentment. But we don't need to go to a, a religious group to find these things. We find these things in Christ Jesus. Now, we live in a world today where it's increasingly anti-Christian, but the world is also full of people that have a longing for the things that Christ brings to them, right? You've heard me say this before, but we are to be known for our love, okay? Jesus himself said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. We all don't live in the same neighborhoods or the same community. We don't drive horse and buggies, right? But all the world around us should be attracted to what we have, the love of Christ that is in us. But if we fuss and we fight with one another and if we devour one another, if we, have, if we lack peace, if we lack contentment, we lack joy, and we have divorce rates within Christianity that's as high as the world and all that. What's attractive about that? What, what, do people want, what, what do people want in that? They're not really seeing Jesus Christ, right? But a relationship with Jesus Christ is the only way to that simplistic, contented, peaceful life that people long for. And our faith in Christ should exemplify these things. It should exemplify contentment and peace and humility and patience and love. People should see the fruit of the Spirit within us. And again, maybe we need to take time to look into our own hearts and see why we may lack these things ourselves. As I challenged us all a few weeks ago, are we really in the faith, right? And that's a scriptural challenge, isn't it? To test yourself as to whether you're in the faith. So the point I'm trying to get across to you here is that Abraham lived as a stranger on this earth, but yet he was greatly respected by the people around him. And in turn, he was a humble man. 
He was not afraid, as we see here, to bow down and show respect to them, show respect to others. Jesus, our Lord, was, of course, a humble man, a meek man. And we are his disciples. And I I want to exhort you this morning to think about how you can live in such a fashion that attracts people to want to know more about the God you follow. And they want to see what is it that you have. And they want to honor you for the way you live because you make a difference in their lives. You impact them in some way, shape, or form. Don't give in to the world's ways, right? But do have an influence on the lives of the people of this world. You see, people are dying without Christ, and I believe that in the hearts of people that they are dying to know Christ. But Christ is often represented by Christianity in the wrong way. But because they may not be all that attracted to the worldly Christ that much of Christianity represents today. But we continue to follow this situation here. In verse 16, it says, And Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out the silver for Ephron, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of faith, 400 shekels of silver, currency of the merchants. So Abraham was bound and determined to give him the money for this land, no matter what, right? So the field of Ephron, which was in Machpelah, which was before Mamre, the field and the cave which was in it, and all the trees that were in the field which were within all the surrounding borders were deeded to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth before all who went in at the gate of his city. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. So the field and the cave that is in it were deeded to Abraham by the sons of Heth as property for a burial place. So this was the life of Abraham and Sarah together. They walked as husband and wife through many different circumstances of life. They had prosperity, but they also experienced famine, we've seen. They made good decisions, and we also saw that they made bad decisions together. They got themselves in some sticky situations with one another. But what they did, the one thing they did, is they kept on in the fight of faith. They stayed the course together as husband and wife. And then death was the only thing that did them part. Nothing else separated them because they were both focused on one thing. They both were focused on the will of God. Abraham, specifically chosen by God for a specific purpose. Sarah, specifically chosen by God for a specific purpose. Two people, one purpose, one God. And they represent to you and me a great lesson in faith and a great lesson in marriage in the lives of Abraham and Sarah. You see, coming to a life of faith in Jesus Christ is not where life ends. It's actually where life begins, a new life, right? An abundant life, a life of peace, a life of contentment, a life of hope, and a life of joy. And all these things are within us, in our spirit, because we have been born again of the spirit. Externally, right? In other words, in the world all around us, it doesn't change 
other than the fact that it keeps getting worse, but we have been changed. We now no longer live like the rest of the world around us, or we shouldn't be, right? Walking by sight, we should now be walking by faith, led by faith, right? Not led by the flesh. We're to be led by the Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, who is now within us, right? Who comes into us when we're born again. If we, like Abraham and Sarah, are willing to be obedient to the word of the Lord in our lives, like we saw with them, even though they had ups and downs and trials and struggles and all that, they stayed obedient to the word of the Lord in their lives. And we will find, if we do, the things that we internally long for. But if we keep our eyes on this world and we continue to act out in the flesh, then we will lack the internal peace that Christ offers us. It really is that simple. And many people who profess Christianity still lack peace and they still live in such a way that, you know, is chaotic. And you say, where's Christ? Well, he's there. He's never changed. We just have to be willing to be obedient to his word and to be truly his followers, his disciples, right? Now, like I mentioned at the beginning of this study, it's a short one, and I kind of struggled to to leave it off here. I I thought about going on into chapter 4, but I believe that the message that is in this short chapter, or chapter 24, I should have said, I thought about going into that, but I believe that the message that was put forth today is one that I want to leave you with today, okay? Because we're going to see as we get into chapter 24 that, of course, Abraham's life is still going to go on and there's other things that the Lord has for Abraham to do before he dies. And actually, chapter 24 is a a long chapter and it might take us a couple of Sundays to get through it. But we'll stop here for today and pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the simplicity of your love in our lives, Lord. The simplicity of your work in our hearts, Lord, that you do give us peace and joy and contentment. And we can look back, your word even tells us that the Old Testament is there written for our learning. And we can look back and and look at the lives of Abraham and Sarah and see a couple that stayed the course till death did them part. What a great example of marriage they were. Again, we can look at their lives, Lord God, and see that it wasn't always easy. They struggled with one another here and there, Lord, but yet they stayed the course, Lord. They remained faithful till the end, and death did them part. And we also see in Abraham, as we look today, a humble man, Lord, a man who was honored by the world around him. And Lord, I pray for each one of us here that as we go forth into a new week, that we will make a decision even today, that as we go forth into the rest of our lives, that we will make a decision today, that we will seek you with our lives and that we would, that as we seek you, Lord, that we would desire that others will see you in us. Because as your word tells us, it's Christ in us that is our hope, that you are our peace. We understand, Lord, that apart from you, we can do nothing. In our flesh, Lord, we can just make a mess. We can make a mess of everyday life, 
our everyday lives, Lord. But by your spirit, Lord, if we will yield to you, if we will fix our eyes on you, if we will be obedient to your word, then we can have an impact on this world around us, Lord. This world that is longing for peace. People will drive for thousands of miles to to see peace, to see simplicity. People will drive for thousands of miles to see a statue talk or move, Lord, because people are searching. They're searching for something. And Lord, we know what that something is. It's not something, it's someone, it's you, because you are the way, the truth, and the life. So God, I pray that as your spirit is within us, that we, as people of faith, will walk as if that is true. And Lord, that we will make a difference in the lives of people around us. Even this week, Lord, even this coming week, there will be people that will cross our paths that need a word of hope, that need a word of encouragement. And Lord, that is found in you and you only. So fill us and lead us through this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.